0: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. We've got to rush here because we are live already. We're in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, looking at the last verses of chapter 12, beginning chapter 13 is kind of like the closing of the book, a little bit of final advice, have some personal greetings. So in a, in a sense, this is the close of the the theme of the book. Uh, this is him going to sum up everything. And remember, the th- the thing that he's been talking about is the better covenant. We've got a new covenant. We've got a new priest or a new high priest. And all of these new are better. And that's compared to the old covenant, which would be the Mosaic covenant that gave them a, the Mosaic covenant from Mount Sinai, the high priesthood from the family of Levi and the family of Aaron. Uh, there's a new sacrifice which is a better sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice of animals repeated over and over again. It's the sacrifice of the Son of God who became man to pay for the sins of the world of all mankind. There is a new blood. Uh, the old blood was speaking of, it's going to be compared today to the blood of Abel, which simply called for uh, vengeance or judgment. It was a, a murder of Abel, and just announce judgment on for that this blood is going to put an end to judgment because all judgment will come through this blood so we got a new covenant which is a better covenant better high priest better sacrifice better blood and new promises or we can say again better promises so the whole theme of this book as we know from 63 a.d uh, around that time being written to the jews who were believers some had rejected Christ and had stayed in the Old Covenant. Some had believed in Christ and were growing in Christ, but some were in Christ, believers, but were tending to look back at the Old Covenant and say, we've got to keep this, this is you know, important. And the ideal was all of the Old Covenant, the Old Covenant, the Old Priesthood, the Old Sacrifices, the Old Blood that was repeated over and over again, and the Old Promises of the Old Covenant, We're all inferior and temporary and passing away and we're never fully achieving anything compared to what Christ did. And again, the idea was the sacrifices had to be made repeatedly. The high priest himself had to offer a sacrifice for his own sin before he could appear before God for the sins of the people. Well, we come in here with a new covenant that was promised by Jeremiah. All these things were promised in the Old Testament. Even Moses spoke of them. Uh, The prophets spoke of them. Everybody's waiting for this to come. The Old Covenant was a shadow of this to take place. And now, as we end this, we're going to end chapter 12, which again, we've got one more chapter, but kind of ending the argument. We're comparing the Old Covenant compared to the New Covenant of where you stand. You could go back to this previous covenant, or you could embrace this New Covenant. It's going to describe where you're at, and I'll go through this. I've got a little chart there comparing the two. And I think it will... There's the, we know these things but there are also going to be things that are going to be interesting to see uh explained or compared because we talk about you know heaven we talk about going to heaven what the kingdom of god is like uh but here the author is actually going to in a sense describe it, what is going on and the attitude there so we got a biblical description of uh entering into the presence of god now here we go chapter 12 verse 18 we'll read Uh, The rest of chapter 12, 18 through 29. For you, you the believer, have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and the tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. For example, one of the most simple orders was, if even a beast touches the mountain, it must be stoned. Now, that's not a summary of the entire law, but it just, entered, it kind of like the very ground level, the very first command, even if an animal touches this mountain, it's got to die. And then they built from there on up and more severe penalties and more severe consequences, if there could be something more severe. Uh, <clears throat> if even a beast touches the mountain, it must be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear, but you have come, this is different, you, you haven't come to that mountain, you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal, festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus the mediator of a new uh, new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel so that's describing the two mountains the two situations the old and the new verse 25 now the warning see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking today For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth in the past, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven today. At that time in the past, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, coming out of uh, Haggai, yet once more I will shake not only the earth like I did before, but also the heavens the second time. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of the things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship and reverence with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And interesting, it ends with a, out of Deuteronomy 4, As they were told in the Old Covenant, our God is a consuming fire. Well, over here, well, our God has changed. No, it's the same God, just with a different covenant, for God is still a consuming fire. Nothing has changed. He was a consuming fire with the Old Covenant that you could never qualify for, promising that there would be a better covenant. Now there's a better covenant through Jesus, but God remains a consuming fire. If you're in the New Covenant... All's good. If you're outside the new covenant, God remains the same consuming fire. God has not changed. He's just offered a different covenant and has fulfilled it with better promises. Okay, now on your little diagram here, the chart that I've I've given you, we're going to read through that again. I've got on the left, all the way down, chapter 12, verses 18 through 21, Mount Sinai, and I've wrote these things down, describing it. It may be touched. It's blazing with fire. There's darkness. There's gloom. There's tempest. There's the sound of a trumpet. There's a voice whose words, they can hear the words, uh, and the words they hear beg that no further message be spoken from this mountain. Uh, they could not endure the simple command, if even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. So terrifying was the sight. Even Moses, who was in a sense the one who initiated the covenant, was trembling with fear. Now, that's compared to what we've come to on the, on the right side. That's chapter 12, verses 23 through 24. Mount Zion. Well, what's Mount Zion? That's the city of the living God. It's the heavenly Jerusalem. What, what is there? Innumerable angels. What are they gathered for? In military formation? No, they've gathered in festal gathering. Uh, who's there? The assembly of the firstborn. And this is the, the firstborn would be the assembly of the firstborn. Who is the firstborn? I don't want to get to, I want to go back and explain this. But the firstborn is Jesus. Jesus is the firstborn. This is the assembly of the firstborn. These are those that he has gathered together. And they are there along with the angels in the city of Zion in celebration. And who are they? The assembly of the firstborn? They are those enrolled in heaven. They are, there's the phrase, citizens of heaven. They've been enrolled. Their names have been put on the list. They've paid their registration. Now again, how did they pay their registration? Well, uh, they've come to, the, to God. And who is God? He's the judge of all men. So in heaven, there's, or in this place, you've got God, the spirits of righteous men made perfect, meaning there's already people there that have been made perfect, but they're standing in the midst of the judge of all men. Imagine in the Old Testament, even Moses was afraid and terrified to appear before the judge of all men. Where now, they're gathered in the presence of God, the judge of all men. Uh, and, but they are the spirits of righteous men made perfect. They've gone through some transformation. They're not, they have nothing to fear. They've been made perfect. Why? Well, they've come to Jesus who is the mediator of a new covenant. He's mediated a new deal with him. He's like your your agent. He's gone and he's negotiated a new contract. And what is this new contract based in? Well, it's not based in your performance. It's based in his mediation skills, which is right here, the sprinkled blood. The sprinkled blood of who? Jesus, your mediator. He has done all the work already in your part and has negotiated a new covenant, a new contract, having already done all the work required of you. So, hey, just come on in and receive the paycheck it's like what would i need to do i'm a great mediator i already contract i contracted everything it's all been done paid for welcome to the assembly it's all you've got is payday but the idea here uh, it's the sprinkled blood blood that speaks a better word which is redemption than the blood of abel which is vengeance that's verses 18 through 24 comparing the two mountains then at the bottom we go through this They did not escape. In the Old Covenant, they did not escape when they refused, and they could hear the voice, they could hear the command, but when they refused to listen, they didn't want to hear it, or they didn't want to obey, or in more cases, they didn't have the ability to obey. They didn't escape, they were punished. You can see different situations where they suffered the consequences of disobeying. But you can see, as a nation, when they were destroyed, if it's northern Israel in 722, 721, or S- Judah in 586, they, they received the consequences of breaking that covenant. They refi- received the judgment. They did not escape when they refused him who spoke to them from earth, from Mount Sinai, gave them this covenant. He warned them on earth, and his voice shook the earth. So they saw it, they heard it, but they couldn't do it, and they refused the judgment. That's no different than on this side now. Do not refuse him who is speaking. You've been offered this covenant. Do not refuse it. If you refuse this covenant, you still will not escape. You'll st- you, there's not going to be any, uh, this, well, God accepts all people. It's not in the Bible. God accepts all people. God accepts all kinds. God has taken care of it. He's tolerant. He's accepting all people. He knows all people are sinners, so he's accepted all. No, he knows all people are sinners. He knows there is evil, but he's provided a covenant this new covenant for you to enter, not by your own works, not by your own righteousness, but through Jesus Christ. Now, if you come through Jesus Christ, his son, you're more than welcome. So do not refuse him who is speaking. We will not escape if you come with a different plan, if you come through a different way. He is warning from heaven. Today, he is warning from heaven, saying, you can come, but you've got to come through this new covenant. <coughs> Uh, he has promised, "I will shake the earth and the heaven again, heavens again," out of Haggai, and again when it's in italics, right there, uh, like right above it, he is warning from heaven. I put there in parentheses in italics today. Now he is warning from heaven. I mean that's kind of assuming it's going on today, so I added that. Um, also, right above that, where it says the blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, that's what the text says. I added. Blood of the blood that speaks a better word. What word? Redemption. The blood's been shed, paid your price. So it's a blood. It's a blood of redemption. You've been purchased. You can enter. Then the blood of Abel, which is vengeance or judgment, uh, meaning Abel's blood is crying out for what? Judgment on the earth. He, he needs to be uh, atoned for. It needs to be, you know, his uh, judgment needs to be taken to balance it out. Again. You see what I add? Now, if you think those are different meanings than the blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, then you'd have to fill that in. And what, what is it saying? Um, and that's why it says, he has promised, I will shake the earth and heavens again. I wrote that, taking it out of yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. He, just like he shook the earth on Mount Sinai, he's going to come to the earth and there's going to be a theophany, a shaking of the earth. There's also this time going to be a shaking of the heavens. Now, with that being said, uh, earth, and then we've got the throne of God, which is in heaven. But then we've got the heavens, the atmosphere, the, the space between the throne of God and where man lives on earth. There's the heavens. This is where you see the rulers, the authorities. You see the prince of the power of the air, air being the heavens. Uh, This is where you see the spiritual rulers right here with their control and influence on the people of the earth. You see this in Daniel. You see this uh, uh, throughout. Paul addresses it. Uh, Isaiah talks about God coming before he comes to the earth. His sword will strike the heavens. He talks about fighting Leviathan. Uh, In Revelations, it talks about Satan losing his place in the heavens and being cast to the earth. And he knows his time is short because something has entered in here to this atmosphere or to the heavens, the spiritual dimension, uh, which I think is Christ having appeared in the atmosphere uh, during his second coming, the approach of the second coming, and everyone sees it and hides. But anyway... When on, in the Old Testament, he, he appeared, a theophany appeared on the earth. I should get rid of that. Arrow refers to Satan falling right there. We'll get rid of that if my diagram is helping at all. In, 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 uh, in, in the Old Covenant, he came down and made an appearance on Mount Sinai. And he shook the earth. And there was fire. It was gloom. It was scary. It was so terrifying that Moses himself, as he approached was like, uh, I'm terrified. This is going to happen again according to Haggai and the right this refers he will once again shake the earth just like he did on Mount Sinai so there's going to be a theophany a coming where the earth is going to be shaken but this time he's also going to shake the heavens now I think in in the English language and in our simplest simplistic you know God's in heaven we're on earth uh and when they talk about earth they're talking about the, the entire universe uh it wouldn't make sense that he's going to shake the heaven. That's, that's where the kingdom of heaven is at. That's where New Jerusalem is. That's where a city built whose foundations and architect is God himself. The book of Hebrews addresses that. But the heavens, in the plural, is this area here. Again, how do we see it in the, in the physical realm? Uh, I don't know. A, a nice, simple way of considering it would be the atmosphere circling the earth is the realm of angelic activity. You want biblical proof of it? Now, it's going to be hard to... Give, it, give me scientific proof. It's like, okay, uh, it's going to be hard to find scientific proof because science cannot see or go here. Uh, if you want biblical proof, you've got being sent from the throne of God, Gabriel, who stands at the right hand of God, according to Gabriel's own words to Zechariah in the temple, in the book of Luke. He was sent... When Daniel prayed on earth, he was sent and on his way to the earth, he had a pass through and he was opposed and finally Michael, the archangel, the angel of Israel, Israel's guardian angel or the nation of Israel's, Michael is their angel and he had to go do war against the prince of Greece and, and the prince of Persia, prince of Persia and then the prince of Greece. He had to fight them on his way, well... He had to come up and help Gabriel get to the earth through something. There's some kind of spiritual warfare. And he says, I must go fight the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece because they are coming. And these would be other angelic beings that are like Michael sides with Israel. He was apparently appointed to see over Israel. They have princes or rulers or authorities, angels, that God has appointed to Persia or Greece, not necessarily in line with God, but forced to cooperate with his plan and only given so much limitations on what they can do. Uh, the prince of Persia, prince of Greece, and others. So we can imagine, we go back to uh, Deuteronomy, and i uh, have throwing this out at you. Moses says that God divided the nations according to the sons, the number of the sons of God. Now, some translations say uh according to the numbers of israel because israel is called the sons of god so it means the sons of israel so somehow god divided the nations based on israel which is just kind of hanging there what does that mean but if you go back and you read it like it says god divided the nations according to the number of the sons of god or the sons of l uh you go back and you find out in uh the table of nations uh after the Tower of Babel, there's 70 nations that came out of, uh, of Noah. You know, His three sons, there's 70 different nations, and they're listed, 70 nations. And then out of one of those, he chose the man Abraham to be his portion, and he says, this will be my nation, put Michael as the archangel in charge of that in the spiritual conflict, and then there are 70 nations. Uh, but when you go back and you read Ugaritic texts, the Canaanite writings, El, the god El, that they worshipped El, which would be, you know, include Baal and all the way down, has seventy sons. So there are seventy pagan gods that are we'd say demonic or angelic or fallen or in rebellion. He divided the 70 nations and gave each of the sons of God. And this is Moses is writing this at the same time the Ugaritic texts are being written uh, in the Canaanite writing. And so it would parallel perfectly that there are 70 rulers and authorities at that level of rank. And there's different ranks coming all the way down. Even you can see Gabriel is a messenger angel. Michael is a warrior angel. So the 70 sons were divided or given each were given a nation at that time. And nonetheless, when it says he will shake the, again, shake the earth, but also the heavens, I think they're referring right here to this, this whole thing that has been set up from the beginning of overseeing the nations. There's going to not just be his manifestation on the earth. There's going to be an undoing of the rulers and authorities that he put in charge of the heavens. This is going to be shaken, meaning this setup right now is temporary in the atmosphere or in where the rulers and authorities of the heavenly realms control the earth and they're manifesting on the earth this is coming down and so is this because jesus is coming back to the earth to set up his kingdom so this whole spiritual control center again prove that to me scientifically i I can't except you can see in the bible if there is a God and there's angelic activity, there is a rebellion. We know Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. Satan is the God of this age. He's the God of this world right now. And he's got rulers and authorities, uh, demonic forces that are not necessarily in total agreement with him because there's strife within that kingdom, uh, but they're working god is going to come back and this is going to be undone you can read read verses in isaiah where his sword will strike the heavens he's going to battle leviathan you read uh, in revelation soon as there's an appearance in the atmosphere Satan loses his place and is cast to the earth woe to the earth because Satan has come down to you it says he's no longer controlling it up here his feet are on the ground and and this is this is ground zero now of jesus return and this becomes very 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 severe before jesus returns as far as the angelic fighting and and all that's going on on the earth before jesus returns so when we read this right here in hebrews chapter 12 between 25 through 29 uh, it says he has promised i will shake the earth uh, and the heavens again or as hagia has it yet once more i will shake not only the earth but also the heavens now, again, if you, heavens, well, that must mean God's throne. Okay, well, go ahead. He's going to shake his throne. I mean, what, what, what's, what's wrong in heaven? Nothing needs to be shaken in heaven. It's already eternal. The heavens, why is he shaking? He's going to shake the system that controls the earth. Uh, now, when people say, uh, do you believe in, uh, in UFOs? Do you believe in life in other planets? What do you think is, well, you know, I don't know. Once again, I don't know. People say, you know, we can't be the only intelligent beings in the universe. Uh yeah i suppose if if we evolve from stardust somebody else has evolved from stardust in a galaxy far far away if that's your story but if you're going with the bible that god created man and put him on the earth that jesus didn't go to all the different planets and die on all the planets for all the sins of all the universe uh jesus came here and died on the earth because this is the center not of the universe necessarily although there's been some new new studies on that uh it is the center of god's plan uh and and jesus came and died here what is what is all this ufo and 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 manifestations well for me i i don't know all the scientific research nobody does uh yeah they could be flying in from other galaxies far far away or if you just stick with the bible it's happened from the beginning of time it is the manifestation of what we'll just say angels and angels are not just good angels there are angels that are in rebellion. We call them rulers and authorities. Uh, these are saint's like our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Where's those heavenly places? Our battle is against the rulers and authorities in heaven. We're fighting the authority in heaven. We're not fighting the authority in heaven. We're fighting the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This is the heavenly places above the earth. It's not heaven, but it's the atmosphere. It's the sky, whatever it extends to physically. Uh, but if they are there, which uh, biblically we know they're there, they're referred to many times, there's a council that God calls consuls together, these could be manifesting, and they will, they have, and then you throw demons into that whole thing, which are different than the angelic rulers and authorities, and they're manifesting, uh, it's it's pretty easy to con- consider you don't need life on other planets. You don't need life on a galaxy far, far away. You just need the biblical account of rulers and authorities in rebellion towards God, manifesting, manipulating humanity, somehow trying to establish the, a kingdom that cannot be overthrown and establish it before Jesus Christ returns and sets up his kingdom. That there is a war between God in heaven and the rulers and authorities in heavenly places, and it's manifesting here at ground zero on the earth, Throughout history. Uh, that that sums up a lot of things that could be taking place. So, yeah, if you want people flying in on spaceships from other planets, you can, but you don't need that. You just need the Bible, and you've already got this established. Uh, Gabriel and Michael have already done battle here. Jesus is returning into this atmosphere. Jesus ascended. This is one of the major things on his ascension after the cross and resurrection. He ascended. Through this territory without an angelic escort, he just as a as a man, a resurrected man, stood here and just went up into through the heavens. Now it took Michael or Gabriel 21 days to get through there. Jesus ascended and sat down at the right hand of God, as Ephesians and Colossians says, far above all rule and authority that can be named. He just escorted himself up there because he is God Himself. So in other words, that's is talking right there projecting into some eschatological events uh, yet to take place yet once more there's going to be a shaking Uh, then that phrase be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken going right back to you you have received this kingdom that is in heaven that jesus came and he wants to establish on earth Uh, be grateful for this or another translation i've got it written down there in the in the greek be grateful for receiving it could also be let us have grace or let us obtain grace for a kingdom that cannot be shaken and that would be that could be translated let us be thankful that you've received this or let us receive grace so that you can receive it or that you can obtain this once again the difference can be very clear when i go back through this you're no longer a fearful because you've got to work your way to god that you've got to be good enough to god you're now rejoicing because. Someone has gone before you, the pioneer of our faith, has, has blazed the trail, has offered the sacrifice, made the payment for the, for the sins, and now if you'll receive that covenant, you're there. But you can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You, you can only receive it. You can only believe, accept that, and it's not like believe, I just believe in Tinkerbell. It's, like, it's not like, oh, I believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus. It's like you just simply have to accept this is reality. I'm, I'm in a a a culture i'm in a world i'm in in the cosmos as a fallen being in a cosmos that's going to be shaken until nothing is left the world is going to be shaken and anything that can be shaken will be shaken out of existence i am part of this if i retain my position here i myself will be shaken into judgment but i have a chance to accept christ believe that jesus has paid the price and join this and by grace You can enter, right here. So be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Notice it says, cannot be shaken. It doesn't say, will not be, or God won't let it be. It's this thing, it it can't be, it is impossible. If God exists, and he is eternal, he's established an eternal kingdom that in reality, you can't shake it. It cannot fall. It is eternal, for it to cease to exist, everything would cease to exist it is eternal so it's not a matter that gee we're not on a side that jesus is fighting to maintain his position jesus position is like rock solid it's ingrained into reality what has happened is there's been forces that have come in rebellion towards him mankind has fallen into that rebellion so god is playing out history with the plan and the intention of redeeming mankind, paying for sins, so his creature, man, can join him in this eternal kingdom. What's at stake is our salvation. What is guaranteed is anything that rises up against God is going to be crushed. But before he crushes it, would you like to be saved and join his kingdom? What do I need to do? You just have to want to join his kingdom jesus christ has paid the price he's the mediator the blood has been shed do you want to join i would like to escape this mess well welcome to the kingdom of god come through jesus christ he is the door that is salvation what have i what have i done nothing except you want out of this mess now this mess is going to be destroyed it's like but i want to have a better house a better life i want to have all these nice things here no 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 this stuff's all passing away If all you want is a better life, if all you want is your best life now, if all you want are good things here in this material world, you've missed the point. God is using this material world to allow you to exist so you can hear the voice that's calling you to heaven. If you say, Yes, I want help, I want, I want healing, I want health, I want prosperity. Now all these things are worked into the system that you do need health to live, you do need finances, you do need to take care of your community. But understand, if that's all you want from God is the salvation of this temporal world, he didn't die for the temporal world he didn't die for the united states he didn't die for your property he didn't die for he died for your salvation from sin you've got to use this and maintain this he created this but this is all passing away in fact paul says it's already begun to pass away do you want to join the eternal kingdom because this is guaranteed your home your body your health your relationship everything is going to pass away. But Jesus Christ will endure forever. It has to be that way. This has to pass. He has to remain eternal. Do you want to join this eternal kingdom? It it cannot fall. It cannot pass away. Now, the decision, what's in the balance, is us. The world is passing away. It's currently, John says the same thing. It is passing away. Jesus and his kingdom cannot fall. You're the one that's going to either pass away with this world or you're going to join the eternal kingdom you're the one in the balance including these people that he's writing to he could be talking to unbelieving jews in jerusalem he is definitely talking to believing jews in the jerusalem community in 63 a.d but he could be talking to the believing jews who are looking over their shoulder back at the old covenant Thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I accept Christ. Yes, I believe this. But I better run back over here and follow all these priests and remain loyal to the temple worship. It's like, no, this is, this is now the old covenant. You've got a better covenant. So be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and <coughs> I add, and will remain eternally. And this is an interesting. This, this can be explained. Offer acceptable worship to God with reverence. And awe. Worship, offer God worship, proper worship, with reverence and awe. Now, how, w- well, okay, just describing what this means, again, we could dig into this and try and establish more word meanings, but in context here, if it is not based on the old covenant, it's not based in sacrifice, it's not based in your obedience to these rules, it's based in you receiving this kingdom by grace obtaining the kingdom by grace how would you worship god with reverence and awe all of your reverence would be in the fact that look how close i was to eternal damnation if god had decided just to throw the whole thing away after the garden of eden we we would be without luck we would be without hope and he decided he was going to spend well if you want to say how many years of history say 6000 10000 years of history working this plan it's like thank you for taking time to remember me and in awe look at his great power he he can he has controlled history forever but has an eternity he has stopped in his state of eternity and been mindful of us so that he's going to stop he's going to become a man that was planned Throughout history, promised. Finally, he became a man. Now he's waited two thousand years to get to this point. He could have ended it at the cross or after at the resurrection, but he's waited two thousand years. We've been born. We've come to in, into existence, and now we have a chance to hear that voice from heaven. Join this. It's like what? It's like you're going to be you're going to be standing in the presence of God in joyful assembly with angelic beings with others that have been brought into heaven, into a kingdom that will never pass away, cannot pass away. It's like holy smokes and i thought i had a nice house i thought i had a nice life i thought i had a nice country i just i don't want to mess this up it's like no this he says is all passing away this is just temporal so that you can come to a recognition for just enough temporal time for you to hear the voice from heaven calling you to this kingdom and thus he says at the beginning of this do not refuse at the the very top of this second set of uh, uh uh, graph right here the the second column under these 12 25 through 29 do not refuse him who is speaking we will not escape just like they didn't expe- escape in the old covenant if you do not enter this kingdom through jesus christ if you do not hear this voice that's calling you from heaven and you say i've got another plan i think and i've got all this ideas over here from this world all these ideas from a fallen world explaining the fallen world and the explanation without recognizing the creator of the world and the savior of the world and you're going to follow these philosophies these ideas without considering there is a creator and a creator who cares enough to save you out of this mess well you will not escape there if you reject this voice and just go after the voices of philosophy and and science that's trying to explain things and i'm talking about godless science we're not we're not we, we do not reject science because science is the very revelation of god in his creation as you expe- explore experiment in creation it reveals to you the very nature of god it's solid it's organized it's predictable he has things organized but if you say there is no god everything just evolved and then you start dabbling with science and trying to explain science without god you're going to come up with crazy crazy conclusions for example i get just some core i'm getting i got like a thousand corny examples in my mind <laughs> if you've got uh, a car that runs on gas in an engine and you say it's the gas in the engine that makes the car move and that's that's science gas in an engine makes the car move if you say i don't believe in gas but we've got this engine i've got this car in the past i've found that the car runs when i turn the radio on when i turn the radio on and i'm turning to this radio station the car can move well you see there's this unknown substance called gas in the engine that you refuse to acknowledge but whenever you drive the car and you turn to this radio station or any radio station the car runs and maybe try some experience and try and explain it and you have the theory the radio the sound the music from the radio is the power of the car and you convince And someone says well i believe in gas i think there's gas in the engine." it's just like well you can't see it like now i can hear the radio science can hear the radio but sitting in the car listening to the radio <laughs> i don't see any gas in fact modern cars don't even smell the gas. it's it's so, it's so Now, you're going to come up with all kinds of ridiculous explanations, and you're going to lead entire generations astray, teaching them this. And anyone who says something about the gasoline in the engine, you're going to be like, you are crazy. No one's ever seen the gas in the engine. And you're going to reject this whole idea, and you're never going to figure this out. Oh, you're going to have science, you're going to have theories, and you're going to argue it, and you're going to have cleverness, and you're going to have all these you're going to create all this speculation over here. These principles of science that make the car run by sound. Some guys will be very enlightened. They're going to write big, thick volumes with footnotes in it. And you'd be like, "Well, I can't argue with that. I don't even understand sound waves, let alone it's like." Well, and then it's like, "Yeah, but I'm pretty sure. That I think I'm pretty sure there's gas in the engine." Well, you're going to, in, in this world. People are trying to explain science without the go- ideal of God. That's called godlessness. It's godless science. They're always going to come. They're going to they're hear the radio. They're going to see the car. They're going to experience the movement, but they're never going to be able to come. Thinking to be wise, Roman says, they became fools. It's like, ah, I explained this. You're a fool. You miss God. You can explain the same thing, but correctly if you'll embrace God. Because God is the one who is the founder of this temporal world. And again, like I said, If you want to take pot shots at my illustration, go ahead. I made it up like while I was thinking I needed an illustration. So it's like I haven't even thought through it than that right there. But (coughs) the idea here is that he is speaking to us today. And if we reject this, we reject that voice and say, I'm going to follow this voice that explains uh, UFOs, explains science, explains our origin, explains how we die and what happens after death. It's like, and the whole time you're rejecting the concept that you are sinful, that your world is passing away, that it is not eternal on either side. It has not always existed, and it is not always going to exist. Your world has not always existed, and your world is not always going to exist. You're living in this little temporal spectrum that you see. You can't tell how far back it goes, you can't tell how far forward it goes. You're living here, but the guarantee it had a beginning, and we're being told here again. It's going to have an end. The only eternity is with God, and that's through Jesus Christ. And you say, well, but I'm going to, okay, so I, I believe in God. I want to make God happy. I'm going to do, I'm going to be a very good person. Okay, wait, 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 you miss it. You can't be a very good person in this world. Uh, now, the world may say that's a very good person. Everyone wants something to be said at your, their funeral. This person was a very good person. Or something will be said, if God has ever allowed anyone in heaven he should allow this person in heaven. That's good. That's good for a funeral. It's like that. this person deserves to go to heaven because of how much good they did to their family, for their community, for their workplace, for just their great attitude, how much joy they spread. That, okay, that's fine for a eulogy. But that's not fine to get into heaven because on this side of eternity, no one is good enough. Everyone is in a sinful state. You're part of this fallen world. You need a Savior. You need redemption. You need the blood of Christ to go and so when you approach god when you worship god you must do it as we just wrote and erased on the board you must do it with reverence and awe it says offer acceptable worship to god which means it's all going to come down to jesus christ it's all about jesus christ and that explains this last verse this last part our god is a consuming fire meaning there is this window There is this window right here of the kingdom of God. And entrance into this kingdom is going to be through Jesus. And in Jesus, we'll describe this kingdom again. We'll go back and look at some of these things. We'll describe this kingdom. And in this, we'll just write the word joy. Joyful assembly. The spirits of men, righteous men, perfected. So you've got a man out here who's going to enter the kingdom through jesus this man is sinful let's say this man is me a really a great example of a man that would be considered basically perfect (laughs) if anyone would deserve heaven it would be me you may say because you see my character my devotion to the bible and my concern for humanity uh you you see that (laughs) no okay anyway let's see But it's like, even in that case, this man cannot enter this kingdom because he's part of, we'll just say, the cosmos out here. You are, I am, everyone is lacking, and I'm being facetious about me, I'm not even close. Uh, You may not know me good enough, but ask Tony, I'm not even close. Uh, Nonetheless, i got to continue, I want to pursue that for comic reasons, but I'm going to just keep moving on. Uh, The only way you're going to get in here is through Jesus Christ. You can't, I need, my sins need to be paid for. Jesus will pay for it. But notice, righteous men, now, by faith in Christ, I become righteous. Positionally righteous. But as you grow in Christ during time, you, you get got your first phase of salvation, your second phase of salvation, and your final third phase of salvation. This right here is justification, where you're saved. This right here, the second phase, is what takes place during life is your sanctification. You're learning, your mind is being renewed. You're becoming more like Christ as you mature, but you're not like Christ. You're still lacking. Even, even Paul says, I, I, I press on to take hold of that for which I was called. Finally, when you pass over into eternity, you're going to go through glorification. You will now be like Christ, spirit, soul, and body at the resurrection you're going to have a resurrected body and you'll be like christ you will be the spirits of righteous men made perfect notice you did not achieve perfection this phase right here of your life we would call that uh, in chapter 12 earlier that's the discipline paul calls it the, the time of transformation being no longer uh, conformed to the image of the world but being transformed you're you're maturing you're growing But you'll never get to be like Christ until you cross over and he finalizes the work of salvation. So we got three phases of salvation, which is right out of, it's like, well, that's, I never heard that before. It's it's basic theology. Justification, sanctification, glorification. It's right out of your theology books, a Protestant at least. And right here, now you're in Christ. And so now when you enter into here, when you're here, you've got the angels in joyful assembly. You've got the spirits of righteous men perfected this is where you're at it's all about jesus has done it all he created you he died on the cross for your sins he made you righteous justified you he's been working in your life disciplining helping you mature and grow he's sanctifying you and when you cross over you're going to be glorified you're going to be perfect this whole salvation experience comes down to jesus who is what is called the firstborn Ephesians calls him the firstborn, firstborn, firstborn over all creation, and then that's where some, like in the early church history, Arius got into the idea that Jesus was the first creation of God, and and Jehovah Witnesses teach he was Lucifer's brother, and the two brothers, it's like they're, they're making stuff up. Firstborn comes right out of the concept of the law of Moses, Deuteronomy. The firstborn was the one who got the inheritance. You got, you received the inheritance. And Jesus, who is God, uh, he's the second member of the Trinity. He's the existed eternity. He was the Creator. He identified himself as God repeatedly through the Gospels. Some scholars who think they're scholars will say, "Well, Jesus never really came out and said he was God." Yes, he did. That's why they picked up stones to stone him because he put himself equal with God. I mean, it's repeat. I mean, it's like, I mean, I, I can think of like fifteen examples right off the top of my head, including last couple weeks in mark on on monday night when jesus they he, he forgives a guy's sins they says no one can forgive sins but god the guy says, well okay he says well what's easier to say to this man your sins are forgiven like only god can do or say pick up your mat and start walking and he's a paralytic it's like which one's easier well only god can do either one okay pick up your mat you can't see me forgive his sins but you can see me say pick up your mat and start walking pick up your mat and start walking oh look by their own words guess who he is according to your judgment, I'm God, hey, the Pharisees think I'm God, and he did that right in front, of, that just made, and they went out and said, how are going to kill him, and that was their reaction, they says, only God can forgive sins, that's true, only God can forgive sins, but what's easier, for God to say, your sins are forgiven, or pick up your mat and walk, they're like, well, what do you mean, well, watch, pick up your mat and walk, and he did, it's like, ta-da, it's like, uh, and they're like, oh my gosh, and everybody's standing around, you know, they're the leaders of the law, they're the teachers, it's like, so Jesus, yes, he made, he made went out of his way to demonstrate he was God. He said, "I could go." I mean, and I could just give you examples. Nonetheless, the firstborn, meaning Jesus, became a man, died on the cross, and was resurrected as a man, and so he receives the firstborn share of the inheritance. Well, what is his inheritance? Well, it's everything that God has. But in this case, the inheritance is the sinners who had faith in him joined his kingdom and were made perfect these now he's got the assembly of the firstborn are in heaven or in mount zion so they are the assembly the gathered ones uh that like in they'd use the word like synagogue was the gathering of the jews or the assembly of the jews for a, a service this would be the same thing it's the ideal of a group an assembly of everyone who was a sinner which is everybody in the world ever in time but only those who have placed faith in jesus and have now entered in and have been made perfect now in here they are no longer sinners they've been made into a total new creation we've been made new creatures today in our in our spirits we've been made alive we are born again new creatures in christ but believe it or not we still have the potential of sinning as if we're still part of the cosmos because guess what we're still part of the cosmos we're still part of this fallen world that's going to be shaken and done away with we're still part of it but we're amazingly which is amazing is in this state in this fallen world we're maturing in christ we're gravitating closer and closer to christ even as the world goes in a greater and greater rebellion we could join that rebellion but we continue to grow in christ and that's part of our volition of growing in christ but eventually we're gonna be glorified and we will be made perfect by Christ in this. And so we are the assembly of the firstborn. Uh, some have already gone in because this has taken a period of time. I mean, it's not like it's just gonna happen like you know, the day after the cross or the day of Pentecost. It began and it's been happening throughout time. And so others have already gone in. People we know have already crossed over and have been made perfect. And we are going to join the spirits of men made perfect out here we're still out here but we're it's God's not out of control it's like it's a process i mean just like he des- developed the idea of planting a seed in the spring watching it grow all season and then ultimately re- producing fruit and being harvested he can do that every season annually but he's doing that in time with us and we're just individuals are being planted accepting the seed growing and entering into this kingdom as as a as a perfect being uh perfected in christ now eventually this whole th- process is going to come to an end the, the the season is going to end so uh let's see what time we got here Eleven fifty. uh i want to go back through this uh let's look at the bottom the bottom i just got verse 28 there in the greek and that's where it says uh be grateful you're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and that phrase, be grateful for receiving, could be let us have or let us obtain grace to receive a kingdom. Here's, here's the Greek right there. Uh, Therefore, a kingdom not to be shaken, receiving we may grace by which we may serve well pleasing God with reverence and awe. That's a straight up hardcore translation, word for word translation, that they, the English Standard Version does it like this and again i'm not saying anything i'm not criticizing this i'm just showing you these words therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and thus let us offer to god acceptable worship with reverence and awe but the ideal of grateful for receiving has the ideal of charis meaning grace receiving you you received it you didn't earn it you received it and so even within that idea you can only enter this kingdom by grace you can only receive the offer that's why it's so important when it starts at the beginning do not refuse him who speaks from heaven he's calling you to enter this kingdom freely he's telling you i have become a man i have died for your sins i have offered my blood just like the old testament ritually offered animal sacrifices offered continued but they never did anything because they had to do it year after year day after day the high priest himself had to offer sacrifices for his own sin that was a shadow something bigger was going to happen and now jesus has come in fulfillment he's offered the sacrifice once he was the perfect man he has now gone into heaven as the high priest and he's in heaven as the mediator before god who's the judge of all mankind but jesus standing in front of him saying yes you are the judge of all mankind but i have Paid. Remember, and here's the blood. Here's the evidence that I have paid. You no longer need to be angry. Propitiation—the word used in John. Propitiation. You no longer be angry at these people because I have propitiated your anger. I've appeased your anger with this blood. And that, again, the blood of Christ. We can call it redemption. We can call it sanctification. We can call it justification. We can call it propitiation. There's a variety of terms. Uh, redemption that the blood of Christ does, all indicating that we can now freely come to God. But if you refuse to hear that voice, you want to follow worldly philosophies, or in this case, you want to follow the Jewish law and offer animal sacrifice. So someday you're going to stand before God and say, I offered a sheep, you know, or look, (laughs) I never ate pork, or I never worked on the Sabbath. It's like, that's all still part of the cosmos. That whole system is passing away and has no eternal value. What has... The value it has is all of that was pointing towards Jesus. It was pointing towards Jesus. Now, when Jesus came, the author of this book is saying, now that Jesus come, stop looking at the shadow. You have a better covenant. You have a better priest, an eternal sacrifice. You have a better blood. It's better than anything Abel could have offered, and you can go freely to him. I'll read it one more time right out of the text. Uh, Chapter 12, verses 18 through 29. And here, if you can hear this comparison. Verses 18 through 24, we're comparing the mountains. One is Mount Sinai on earth. The other is Mount Zion, which is in heaven, which is Jerusalem, where angels and people have begun to gather for the celebration. That is eventually going to shake the heavens and earth and return to the earth. And God is going to establish his kingdom on the earth. For you have not come... Uh, verse 18 of chapter 12 for you have not come to what may be touched you can't you scientifically you can't go here you can't touch it a blazing fire it's not a blazing fire that you can see and darkness and gloom and tempest, which is all indication of judgment god is coming down the only way man can perceive god uh without the cross is judgment they're terrified even moses is going to be terrified into the sound of a trumpet and the voice whose words made the hearers beg that no message be spoken to them it's like stop stop we we it's scary it's like hearing the voice of a giant just suddenly like stop talking they're just terrified of it and what was it giving him it was giving commands if you want to dwell with me you're going to have to do that it gives this huge list of rules and regulations beginning with if even an animal touches this mountain it's going to die so don't touch anything it's like oh don't breathe stop looking at me that's stop, stop, stop existing it's like Oh, we're all going to die. Yes, you're all going to die because you're all not God. He's a consuming fire. Anything that is not God, he'll consume it. He has come to consume this earth because it's in rebellion, and you are part of this. You're going to be consumed by the, by the anger, the jealousy of God. So they're, they're, they're doomed. They're terrified. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses says, I tremble with fear. But you have not, but you have come to Mount Zion. You haven't come to Mount Sinai. You've come to Mount Zion. Things are completely different. No, no, not completely different. Everything is the same. It's just that now there is Jesus. God is still a consuming, consuming, consuming fire. He is still a consuming fire, consuming everything outside here. That's, that's going to be the end. of it. Everything is going to be consumed. But you have come to Mount Zion. You're in here. You're no longer out here in the temporal world. You've come into Christ. You've come into this new covenant. Indeed, uh, Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God. This is the city that Abraham was looking for. Abraham was looking for a city whose architect and builder, the foundation, was, builder was God. You've come to Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. See, the t- city Jerusalem is, is temporal. There is a heavenly Jerusalem that's going to manifest eventually in the world. It's already in existence. Abraham was looking for that city. He didn't fully understand, but he was looking for this. And he knew Salem, Melchizedek City, wasn't it. Uh, to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. Now, these are the angels of God, but they're gathered not for judgment, not for war, not for service, but for jo- a joyful assembly. There's a celebration. And to the assembly, here it is, the assembly of the firstborn. Now, who are the assembly of the firstborn? This is the gathering, the, the sanctuary, or the, the, the gathering of the firstborn members, those who are members of the body of Christ. That's the church. To the, uh, to the church, is what I could say. Who are enrolled in heaven. Their names are listed. On They belong here. They're no longer citizens of the cosmos They're enrolled here. They have a lifetime pass. They're enrolled here. They're enrolled in heaven. And they've also come to God, who's here, the judge of all men. But the thing is, you're not worried here because the judge of all men is there. And you've also come to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. There are men standing here already. They are men whose spirits have been made perfect. They're standing in front of the judge of all eternity that terrified moses they're standing here the angels ready to celebrate because it's like we're clear (laughs) we've got a lifetime pass we're enrolled jesus invited us we're here this is who you've come to the judge of all men and to spirits of righteous men made perfect and to jesus this how did he get here because of jesus who's he the mediator of a new covenant the old covenant was out here you got to do all these things right out here which you can't do But Jesus offered a new covenant. Just come in here through my blood. I'll pay for all the sins. You just come through me. The media of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. If you're hearing me today, see to it that you don't refuse this invitation. Don't fall for something else. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them from earth on Mount Sinai, some of them died just because they disobeyed. Eventually the entire nation was judged much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. If you remain out here and say, well, I think God accepts everybody, or I'm out here, I think I've done a pretty good job. I've done more good than bad. I think, I don't even think there's a God. Okay, if you reject this and you remain out here, understand nothing we can do for you, nothing God can do for you. Because he's done everything he can, his son has paid your price. And if you're going to give him some false philosophy, or you're going to hold to some false religion, or if you want to stay and follow the the Old Testament covenant, we're going to not eat pork, we're going to worship on the Sabbath, and we're going to whatever. It's like, no. (laughs) Don't, Don't do that. That's not going to work. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them from earth on Mount Sinai, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns us from heaven today. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, that, that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. The fact that he says, once more I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, is he's going to shake all this stuff that's out here, is going to be consumed with fire, and the only thing remaining is this. So in the end, your only hope is here. You're you're under judgment if you're not. Um, In order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful. Since that's the case, be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship and reverence and awe. In other words, since this is where you're at, understand there's only one way to honor God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Yeah, but I did, shut up. It's Jesus. Stop talking about your laws. Stop talking about what... Did you accept Jesus? Yes, I did. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Well, welcome. You've been made perfect. Now, therefore, let us be grateful and receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship and reverence for all. And it ends, for our God is a consuming fire. Or our God is still a consuming... Just because he's offered you love... Just because he's offered you peace, that love and that peace was offered you by a God who is a consuming, jealous, judgment, fire. He is still consuming. He's still jealous. He's still the judge of unrighteousness. But he's offered you love and peace. So this does not get disqualified or eliminated because you've got this. You come here, you've got love and peace through Jesus Christ. Welcome to the kingdom. So God is accepting everybody. No, no, you missed the whole point. He offered Jesus because if you don't offer Jesus, everyone's going to be consumed. He is a consuming fire. He is not a God of just, you know, I'll just put up with everything. He has patience, which means his patience is holding this back. His patience doesn't mean, oh, I'm not going to be that guy, God that judges everybody. No, I am that God that judges everybody, but I'm going to offer some patience in another way because pretty soon, someday, this is going to be unleashed on everything that can be shaken, that is, everything that has been made, and this is the only thing. Remember, your God is a consuming fire. Worship God accordingly. Okay, I'll pray, and we're done. Father, we thank you for the chance of looking to these things. We ask that we may uh, consider them in our hearts, allow ourselves to judge our hearts, let your spirit reveal to our hearts the light of God that we may walk in your ways even today as you've called us to. And we do look forward to the day that we can enter in your presence and join the ranks of the souls of people that have been made perfect. Again, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for your kingdom and thank you for Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Thank you for your time.